let me, let me just um, tease out a couple of things. The message is called, Beware, It is Easy to Fake Christianity. Uh, this has a connotation of admonishment. Uh, it's a prophetic, maybe prophetic sometimes is tearing down and building up. Jeremiah 1, chapter, help me, chapter 1, verse 6, 7, 9. And um, you should know that, Luke, you're a Bible college student. Um, and, and so, and so th- this is the message. I, I, this is the message the Lord gave me anyway, to preempt what I'll say about character next week and in the ensuing weeks. This is a statement. Our experience of Christianity must go beyond just being another interpretation of the Bible. It must expand until our faith in Jesus and our love for him becomes a lightning rod for his presence. Talking about a presence conference, people are wanting the presence of God. This is my my, um, struggle inside as a pastor to see people walk in the presence of God, to feel the sunlight of his love, the countenance of his love, his forgiveness, his kindness, his goodness towards us. This is a beautiful thing to wake up to, especially on a Monday morning. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful thing to have when you've got stuff going down in life. Um, and, and so the other thing is to feel the empowering presence of God around you. you've got to understand this is a beautiful thing because it's bringing out the best of you. It's actually bringing out your spirit. It's bringing out your spirit. Kim Kleisters won the Australian Open last night. She was thanking her coaches. Thank you, uh, Mr. Trainer, for, although I sweared at you a lot because you took me to the nth degree of collapsing and and uh, but you 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 train me hard to be able to stand on this day and deliver the, through the the health and through the you know through the fitness of my body. Holy Spirit is trying to train you up into righteousness. Is trying to train you up into holiness, and there is power in holiness. What about this scripture? Romans eight eleven, in the message. Love it. If the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, who's saved? Jesus moved into your life, right. If you're alive, if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, you are delivered from a dead life. Love that. Your body will be as alive as Christ. There's there's a morphing when you're saved and when you're with the program of the Holy Spirit, you're changing, you're morphing. You're be, like a caterpillar, you're coming out now like a butterfly with all those colors, man. We're just saying, do you ever see butterflies around? Julia was saying, I don't see many at all. Since we've said that, we see one every day. We see a cat, I mean, a butterfly every day. Just lovely things they are. So it's, it's the color of who you are. You're not pascal. You're not bland. You're not boring. You are radiant. The sons of God, the earth is crying out for the sons of God to arise in authority and power and godly holiness, in the power of holiness. Do you know there's nothing like someone who's holy? Uh, we saw Tommy Teeny years ago, eight, nine, ten years ago. Tommy Teeny, God Chases, the famous book, God Chases. We went to a conference or a meeting on the North Shore and 
he was he was there and he was just glowing i'd never encountered anyone like this who'd actually was carrying this mantle of glory like he was it was amazing i think rodney howard brown too he's got such an anointing such a uh, such a visible tangible anointing that it really whoo wow it really takes you back and that gives me a reference of i guess how i'm doing and and what i should be doing in my life prove all things thessalonians 5 20 20 21 okay for the bible college students here's some scriptures we need to prove all things but examine everything carefully this is in 1 thessalonians 5 21 but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast. Examine. We need to examine our salvation. You wouldn't, you know, you know, you wouldn't buy a car. I mean, you wouldn't trust a car even if it couldn't get you from across the town. You especially wouldn't trust it to get you further down the road to another, to another town. I mean, and we've got to look at our salvation. You, you wouldn't buy a house unviewed. We need, we need to look at our salvation afresh, I think, this year. We need to look at it and, and, and tear it down a little bit and get it down to the basic facts of the matter and find out, is it working or isn't it working? Does that sound good? Likewise, if our Christianity does not work in this life, where can we test it? Well, um, Let's have a look at this script. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Again, it says, test yourselves. Hey guys, let's not be afraid to test ourselves and test our, our, our salvation. Let's not be afraid to, to, to do that. It says, test yourselves. Here's a, does it say this up there? Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. The power and the person of Jesus Christ is in us. To believe in Him is to progressively become like Him. 1 John 14, 7, as it is written, as He is, so also are we in this world. Huh. As He is, so also we are in this world. However, if we've been indoctrinated into a salvation and we don't believe in the kingdom of God and that it can produce, that it can do what the Bible says it can do, and if we don't believe that our Christianity can work, we've been lulled into something other than what God has intended for us for the abundant life. Our salvation's got to work, Luke. This has got to work. The kingdom's got to work. I'm a bit of a guy that, you know, used to love fixing stuff and love to see it working. If it doesn't work at the end of the day, it's broke. Put it out for the garbage collection. You see that all the time. And so we need to look at our salvation maybe and look at why things, maybe our prayers are not being answered, why we're not growing in God. Why things are not breaking in on the inside of us. Why are we not maturing? Why the anointing is not resting on us? Why the glory is not there on us? Why aren't we successful in witnessing? Why aren't we able to step up 
and do what God's called us to do. We need to look at our salvation. We need to examine. We need to test maybe some of these things that we believe in. We could ask three questions. I like this. First, is my faith effective? Ask yourself, does my salvation plan work? Uh, it's because we, as ministers, and Jesus paid such a price for you to have such an exciting, abundant, life-giving, such an exhilarating life. And if you're not having that, um, you know, we've got to re-examine and, and maybe find out what, what the problem is. Let's be honest about that. That's the first question. Second, if my doctrine does not work, then why not? Perhaps your theology is fine, but you're just lazy. Maybe your theology is not fine and you need to get your theology right. Either way, you must, must seek to find out why things are not working for you. Three, if I do see the fruit and power of the Holy Spirit revealed in another's life, how did he or she receive such grace from God? So don't be afraid to sit under another's anointing. Don't be afraid to sit under a teacher or under another person because it's like this. It says in Matthew 10.41, the word tells us, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. God gives rewards of impartation and knowledge and other spiritual gifts to his servants. Learn, listen guys, learn from those whose faith is working. If you see faith working in people's lives, get under their anointing and let them lay hands on you maybe. Find, you know, teach me. I see your life working. I see you, Andrew Flaxman, getting blessed with, you know, great stuff and Luke and, and Luke's everywhere here. But man, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, people, you know, I'm seeing that. What about me? Well, it should be you. It, Christianity should work for you. It should be a prospering, exciting, happening thing. You should be able to have a praise report every day of what God is doing in your life. Is that right? The final test, uh, the final test of any set of doctrines is seen in the kind of life, life they produce. As it is written, 1 John 2, 5 to 6. 1 John 2, 5 to 6. By this we know that we are in Him. The one, so you know, it's, it's quite clear. By this we know that we are in Him. The one who says he abides in Him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. If you're in Christ, you should be able to walk in the same manner as, it's funny, Julie and I were walking along the beach, did a lot of beach walking, and finally I've broken that, I've broken through, men. I actually hold Julie's hand now. I don't walk out in front of her like I'm in Japan. She's my... Anyway. Won't say that word. Too volatile. And, and so I hold her hand. I walk beside her. And, and I'm realizing I'm becoming more like Julie. I'm becoming more relaxed, more, I don't know, but 
I know yesterday in our bush walk, it was different. You were like what? You were like me. <laughs> but if we're walking with Christ, uh, we become like Him. Jesus, I'm walking with you. I'm waking up with you. I'm living with you. I'm talking to you. I'm hearing you. Yes, Lord. If you keep doing that in every day, if you keep surrounding yourself with the presence of God, guess what? You're going to become like Him. You're going to be molded, fashioned. You're going to change. You're going to morph. Things are going to happen in your life. And you're going to become like Jesus. That anger is going to go and selfishness is going to go. Stuff's it's just going to... And this is what I wanted to say. The fact is, however, that if the God of some of our Christian re- religions died, most members of those churches would be either too spiritually dead or too physically busy to notice his absence. This is what this one guy says. All too often Christians accept teachings by faith Not faith in the living God, but faith that their church doctrines are correct. We conscientiously hope that whoever is teaching us has not made a mistake. (laughs) And so I I, I, I teased out, you know, who is our God now of our our movement and of of our church? Well, we're a Pentecostal church. We're a spirit-filled church. And if you go back a hundred years, the church was birthed out of a holiness movement 100 years ago. Some of you heard about the Azusa Street um, revival in Los Angeles, and William J. Seymour was there preaching, a one-eyed black guy. And this typical phrase was used, Praise God, I am saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And many people in those days were actually sanctified, but no, they were delivered. They actually, in their quest to get with God, they were delivered, sanctified, but delivered from stuff. Uh, and we call that deliverance, which we don't talk about a lot these days. Um, and so our movement was birthed in, or the Pentecostal movement was birthed in the holiness movement, which means, you know, it goes way back to the Wesleyan uh, doctrines of being, you know, pure before God. And since apparently, now I found this out, that since World War II, we've not really emphasized that holiness too greatly. We sort of let it get a little bit too uh, simple. And, and they're, they're talking about cheap grace. And, and then, of course, this book that I got back in 96 by uh, Randy Clark, I think it was, called the, and I think it's a great book, the book is called Power, Holiness, and Evangelism. But I found out this book precedes another book from 1959, which is called Pardon, Purity, and Power by Noel Brooks, a British Pentecostal uh, preacher, uh, theologian, I should say. And he talks about this threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says there's a threefold. One, justification, that's pardon. Two, sanctification, that's purity. And three, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and that's the power. And this Noel guy says that the three have been joined together from the days of the New Testament down to the modern time. And he says, he actually uses the word holy wedlock. In any one of the three, if any one of the three was missing, the church began to lose its power. In other words, what God has joined together, let let no man pull asunder meaning we need to be justified. We need to see people come to the front, give their lives to Jesus, and and because they've acknowledged Jesus 
as Lord of their life, they're miraculously justified, pardoned, saved by the blood of Christ. But the second thing is sanctification. And that is deliverance. That's the Holy Ghost just teaching you, blessing you, anointing you and changing you and discipling you, counseling you, comforting you and even delivering you at times. That's sanctification. But the third thing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you what this movement is based in and I'm I'm telling you and I'm giving you confidence that still the C3 movement believe in these three emphases is the justification, the pardon, salvation, the sanctification, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. But the third thing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowering presence of God in your life. That's why that conference is called presence. It's trying to get people into the presence. It's trying to get them acquainted to God in a most powerful way. I'm nearly done. Five times in Matthew 24, Jesus warned against deception in the last days. And you can look at, you jot this down, Matthew 24, verse 4, 5, 11, 23 to 24, and 26, all have connotations. Do not be uh, deceived in the last days. Meaning, not so much others deceiving, although it does, but don't deceive yourself of where you're at in God. Don't deceive yourself. I love that. See to it, no one misleads you. And I think, the, I think the main, probably crux of the character message, guys, will be you looking at yourself and saying, am I really like that? Am I fleshy like that? Do I really do that? Am I, you know, do I do that? Do I really? You know, and it takes a lot for the heart to own up to the misdeeds of your life. It's very hard to portray a true self. I'll, I'll, I'll tell, you, tell you this, to be honest. It is work. It is sheer work to project the best self and your best life and your best countenance. You notice how some people are just plain lazy. They just give any old look. And you wonder, gee, did I do something wrong? But they're just, just lazy. They, they haven't sort of, they just don't have that disposition to, to project too well. Maybe it's because good reasons. They've been hurt one thing or another. They've just never had to. They've just not felt real good about themselves. And so they, they don't just carry themselves well. But I believe when you're saved, you're, you're a king's kid, man. You can hold your head up. You can smile. You can love the world. You can love anyone. And you can carry yourself with dignity. You can even get a bit of a swagger up if you want as long as it's not sending the wrong messages. (laughs) If we are not at least somewhat troubled by these warnings of being deceived, it is only because we are guarding our ignorance with arrogance, presuming that our thoughts must be right simply because we think them. There are areas in all of our lives that need to be corrected. Unless we can become corrected, Unless we are seeking God for an unfolding revelation of His Son, our our so-called faith may be in reality just lazy indifference. A deception concerning the things of God. Subconsciously even, we may actually want a dead religion so we do not have to change. 
Do you know there's some people that would even come to a spirit-filled church and say, my God, I don't, I don't want to get that serious about Jesus. <laughs> Hang on, guys. I, you know, I, I just want you to wax lyrical and maybe swing that lantern thing, that smoking thing, and, and uh, let me jump through some hoops and uh, make me feel good. I don't want to change. I don't want Jesus looking at me. Man, I, I, you guys are full on. You guys are you're trespassing. Back off. It can be like that, truly. Some people, back, you know, back off you guys. I don't want to worship God and jelly and be transparent. I, I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to be that personal with Jesus. Can, can you understand what I'm saying? I, actually, is there a religious church around down the road, maybe where their God has died? Is that all right to say? Where, where, where they don't really believe in the living God, but they teach about a God. But they don't really believe, they don't ask me to put my faith in the living God. And so churches like this, there are. They're, they're a, little bit, a little bit in your face, but at the end of the day, that brutal honesty with God and with Jesus brings you to a place where you can stand and be counted for God. And that's what I like about this sort of church. And it can be done by grace. And it can be done by the Spirit. And it can be done. And so don't, don't get put off by your friends that come and say, Oh, gee whiz, you know, they didn't like the way you talked about money. Well, that's the way Jesus... Man, you know, if you tally it up, Jesus um, preached out of a month. He preached three weeks uh, out of a month about money. That's what they say. Third, I don't know. What is it? 40% he preached about money. And we don't do that. We might preach 5%. And we get beat up sometimes. Oh, they just talk about, well, yeah, that's right. Because it's the issue of your heart and stuff like that. And we've got to go there. It's a, it's a big God in this world. We don't take that God on and, and bring it down in people's life. They will never serve God, love God, cannot serve God and mammon. And so I, I take that with a grain of salt. And so, Father, we stand here right now and we say, Jesus, this year, I believe in my church. I believe in the Spirit-filled church that, that in the beginning that it was a church birthed in the holiness movement. That I know this, that, Lord God, that we need to examine ourselves, test ourselves again of our salvation. And maybe ask ourselves, dear God, why it's not working. Why aren't my prayers being answered? Why don't I feel the presence of God like these other people around me? Why don't I feel the love of God? Jesus, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit from this morning, from this day, would allow me to know and understand by the revelation of my heart, by the revelation to my heart, because that's where true knowledge comes, not by the mind, but by the, the heart. And so God, this year, I want you to help me understand maybe why my salvation is not working. If it's not working here, will it get me into heaven? Lord, you're not asking me to be theologically astute to the point of having to be a, a theologian. But Lord, you're asking me to grow fonder of you. You're asking me to grow more in love with you, a maturing love. Just like 
myself walking with my precious wife. And finally, after years and years, I finally understand what walking along the beach means to a woman. Maybe that's you. Why do I got to lift my hands? Why do I got to give? Why do I? It'll happen in due course. Why do I got to read my Bible? Why do I got to pray? Why? Jesus, I pray this, that in this house are people that are desperate to change. It was prophesied this year that change, change, change. Lord, I'm willing to change for you. I'm willing to change. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. You know, guys, as, as we mature in God, we realize, listen to me, listen to me. Last statement. As we mature, now listen to me, listen to me. As we mature in God, we realize the Spirit of God is in us. And then the cross jumps off the pages of the Bible and stands before us. And then Gethsemane, which is Jesus, buckled almost under the pressure of having to do the will of God as opposed to maybe another option, dying to his own will, dying to his own agenda, dying to his own rationale. Everyone goes through a Gethsemane, is that right? But then Golgotha, the cross of Golgotha, and that is you dying to your sin and allowing yourself to be crucified in Christ. Your flesh, the ugly stuff that you have, allowing, but then the resurrection, allowing Jesus to resurrect your best life through that cross. Allowing Jesus to resurrect your best life. Gethsemane, Golgotha, resurrection. Gethsemane, Golgotha, resurrection life. And you know what, guys? In that day, in that day, man, you begin to realize Christ is in you. Let's stand. Christ is in you. The hope of glory is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live in Christ, I live by faith in the Son of God. You got Christ in you, guys. You got Christ in you, ladies. You've got Christ in you. And it's so wanting to come out and perfect you and change you and transform you. Let's just sing for a moment.